Hey friends, welcome to Charlotte Mason for All, where every culture, country, and community is welcome. Our mission is to bring Christ through the Charlotte Mason philosophy and methods to homes around the world, including yours. My name is Erica Alicea, and I'm your host, along with LaShawn Thomas, Mariana Mascracchio, and Min Huang. Welcome to our series on Charlotte Mason Dads. Today, we have the honor of chatting with Anthony, who is the founder of Living Books Press. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Living Books Press, it is a book company dedicated to reviving many lost living books that were hard to find or very expensive because the books were so rare. It's because of Living Books Press that we can now easily find great books at an affordable price. Before I even knew who they were, I was already benefiting from their many hours of transcribing and formatting because I bought my entire Charlotte Mason series reprinted by them. Now I'm using so many of their books in our homeschool and it's been such a blessing for myself and I know that I'm not alone in this. So many homes have been enriched because of their dedicated work. And what's also just as great is that Anthony is a CM dad. We're grateful to hear a bit about this story. So thank you, Anthony, for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me and, and for the kind words. It's, um, I started Living Book Press just wanting to give back to the community because I appreciated everything that had been done so much. And so knowing that it has helped other families is really touching and humbling. Amen. All across the globe. It's, right. uh, it, it's mind-boggling <laughs> that I've been able to help people. It, it's great. So why don't we start off by you just telling us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um, I'm a homeschool dad here in Australia. Um, I live about an hour north of Sydney. Um, we've got a farm here, got 12 hectares and horses and sheep and goats and chickens and ducks and geese. And, uh, we sell, we do blueberries and flowers and just try to do um, pick your own experiences so people can come to the farm and get to play with the animals and go and pick their own flowers or blueberries. And, it's just so lovely to be able to um, share that side of nature. So many people come saying, I had no idea what sort of bush a blueberry grew on. Or we have kids come and they're terrified of chickens. They'll start by just holding out some little chicks and they'll pat them and then they'll get the confidence to come into the pen that we've got. And then 10 minutes later, they're picking up our rooster and carrying it around and showing the parents. And they're just glowing because they're so excited to be getting up close with nature and, and conquering their fears. And it's just so lovely to be able to share that with so many more people. Oh, that sounds so wonderful. Oh. Yeah, it's good. So I got, and I got three sons, eight, 10 and 11. So just over three and three years, which has been a, uh, an interesting journey, but it's, uh, it's wonderful being able to share all these great books with them. Um, they've all got different uh, neurodiverse issues and their own, they're all their own little people. And it's, it's great that we can find something that we can all bond over with story. And when you started Living Books Press, it was with your wife, right? Yeah. Um, it was that like my wife supports me in everything I do. I actually had a, a bad, my son had jumped on me and, and put my back out. And then I had a bad reaction to the painkillers and ended up with hepatitis. And so I was on bed rest and it was when we were in garlic planting period. So Missy's out there digging all the beds by herself and I was just feeling so useless. And I, I saw another post on a Facebook group saying, you know, is there any versions of Charlotte Mason's books? I went, that's it. I'm stuck doing nothing and I can't exert myself. I'm going to do this. So with her support, I got in and just started doing all of that so I could feel useful, I guess, while she was doing everything on the farm. This, this um, blessing came out of an injury then. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's amazing how often uh, those sorts of things can happen. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that. And so how did your family find Charlotte Mason? 
I was really wanting to homeschool the kids, as was my wife. I, I went to a very small school growing up. I was kindy one, two, and three, all in the same classroom. And then all the way, I think there was 80 kids from in kindy to year 10. And I liked it, but even in those smaller size classrooms, the teacher can't really embrace kids questioning and wanting to learn more and do that kind of thing. So I have nothing against teachers. I really respect what they do. But I wanted to give our kids the opportunity to question and fight with things. And I was reading up and seeing that a lot of the, the big tech companies are taking a few years to uh, get their employees out of that mindset of answering the question and instead to ask questions and think outside the box. And so I thought, you know, just for the first few years, let's help our kids embrace the creativities and, and get to do that type of thing. So we started exploring different homeschooling styles. I did a few of those awesome quizzes on the internet of, you know, what's your homeschooling style based on your philosophies. And they kept coming up with um, Charlotte Mason as number one and then unschooling and then classical. So I'm guessing classical is more the overlap in the Charlotte Mason type. And so I started reading, reading up some more on that and um, found the Ambleside Online uh, curriculum, which gave me the confidence to have a skeleton to start from as well as a lovely lady who's adapted Ambleside for Australia um, to help hit our curriculum outcomes and um, just started down that road. So how are you involved in your homeschool? I'm the one who does it all. Um, I help select the books if we're having to alternate. I um, do the reading with them and the narrating and that kind of thing. My wife does um, the art and the, that side of stuff. And so, and then depending on what's happening, um, if the farm's too busy, I'll take on some of hers. Or if I'm feeling like unwell, then she'll take on some of what I'm doing. But, uh, in the day-to-day -day stuff, she looks after the, the farm and I do the homeschool. Wow. That is definitely not your, your typical homeschool, huh? It, it's great. I mean, I think we've all got different strengths and we have to work to strengths that you've been given. And so it's... Uh, it's wonderful for me to get to spend this time with my boys. I really enjoy it. It's very Charlotte Mason, right? Like this is exactly what she's saying. Our children are unique. Our families are unique. And so this, the, the edu our education should fit our families. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's wonderful to be able that we're fortunate enough to be in a position where we can, we can adapt our lifestyle to suit um, things that we are best at. And in what ways have you seen your children thriving because of being homeschooled? It's, it's been a fascinating journey since I've never been to school. It's, I think I see so many people who say, you know, our kids were at school and getting smothered. And then we started to homeschool doing this stuff and they started to thrive. We've been fortunate enough to start, but um, my oldest son is bright, but he's, he's dyslexic and ADHD. So he has always loved literature. He'd be listening to Understood Betsy and Little Duke and all the wonderful AO2 books with his particular favourites for a long time. He'd be listening to them all the time, but he's, he's now 11 and he's only just in the last 12 months gotten the hang of actually reading for himself. So that's been a huge struggle. Our second son is um, autistic and well, on the autism spectrum. And he picked up reading really easily. Uh, all the phonemes, that kind of thing, could put them together. But when we had him tested, he, he's only like really low on verbal comprehension. 
And so he's only just now at 10, not constantly saying, Who, who's that? Who's that? Like you'll be three quarters of the way through the book and you'll mention the protagonist and you'll start asking who that is. Um, so it was just such a struggle for him being able to put that together. So by being able to take things back a few steps and just focus a lot on um, picture books with him for a long time and getting him to tell back the picture books, he could build on what he could see in the images and start to attach that to all the words that we'd read to him. And he's really built up his stamina and abilities at understanding um, through doing that kind of thing, just the narration and the, the great books. And we've seen that uh, flow into every other part of his life as he's understood just instructions that we give him and that kind of thing. And, and your third son? Is he... My third son is the most terrifying combination of the two of them. <laughs> I, I joke that he's, he's going to rule the world or be in jail, probably both. It's just the order of them that is, <laughs> he's up in the air. He's a wonderful little dynamite. He, I've been doing him and my middle son at the same time because they don't, they're, they're like little twins and they don't compete academically, which is fantastic. Their strengths are in very different areas and they work together so well. So when, when Baba, as he likes to be called, is narrating um, Paxson, it can then build on top of that or add any little bits that he's missed. And it's just so much fun seeing them go back and forth. So Baba's just turned uh, eight. And he's gotten the hang of reading fine and he's loving narrating and just seeing them embrace the creativity as well that comes from reading so many books as they make up their own stories is lovely. This is such an encouraging message right there because we have so many moms with uh, children with special needs. And oftentimes it's, um, it could be a very lonely place um for for myself I, my daughter doesn't have special needs but you know we have our own challenges and sometimes we we can see on social media like everything seems mm -hmm. picture perfect on the other end and and it feels like you're the only one with these struggles and so to hear that uh you've been having success with your with your boys who have uh these unique needs is, is really an encouraging message it's, um, I think being a dad in the homeschool community, it can be lonely at times, but it is such a huge help as well, because I, I think you're kind of excused from that natural competitiveness that you see with the, the things being posted on Facebook and Instagram and all the mums sitting around. And it's just natural to start talking about your kids and what they're doing. But I think it's easier to take a step back and go, you know what? I'm, I'm running my race. This is the hand that I've been dealt. These are my kids' strengths and weaknesses. And this is the pace we have to go at. So if, if one of my kids is, you know, a couple of years behind in something, that's fine because he's doing the best that he can do with his particular circumstances. And, and so I think being able to be a male in, in the predominantly female thing helps me escape part <laughs> of that rat race style of thing, if that makes sense. Yes, definitely, definitely. And... And um, I, I love how you said that. It's just meeting them where they're at. And that's such a gift within homeschooling and within homeschooling in a Charlotte Mason education is that you can progress a little bit or move a little more ahead if the child is ready and take a step back if they're not and really go with your child's flow. That That's something that can't be done in, in a traditional school setting, but at home it can Absolutely. That's where my, my kids are all fine with maths uh, and we're having to do, you know, a bit of, bit of motivation to get them to go and memorize their times tables, but they will understand how maths works. 
And so we haven't had to spend nearly as much time on that over the last few years as we have with English and that kind of thing. But it's great that we can just shift the time from one to the other that's, that's needing that attention and still give them plenty of time to be messing around playing and following their own passions as opposed to they have to sit there for the 45 minutes doing maths Right. even if they understand it, and then move on to the, the other subjects. Exactly, exactly. What goals do you have for, or what do you envision for your children and their education? That's evolved a lot as I've been homeschooling. At first, I think we're just wanting to allow them to be creative and ask questions and that type of thing. But now as we've discovered their neurodiversity and that type of thing, my goal is to help them grow up to be able to be the people that they were made to be and to be able to create a life for themselves that they fit into as opposed to constantly feeling that they're having to try and, and bash their square peg through a round hole and just always feel something else. Yeah. Um, I just want to give them that confidence to be able to grow up to be the people they were made to be. Beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, it's beautiful. I, I laugh because it's just, I'm like, I have no words. It's just, that's exactly <laughs> like they're, they are created with a purpose and we're just here to, to guide them, not, not to make them into anything else than what God has purpose for them. So absolutely, yeah, I'm very inspired there. <laughs> it's, it's fascinating. I mean, part of this comes from my own journey. I was um, all preparing for med school as the fourth generation doctor. When I had a head injury, rock came from under a mower through a window and hit me in the back of the head, um, resulting in a skull fracture and brain hemorrhage and epilepsy. And the uh, doctors said that I should look at being a, a labourer for a bricky or something like that because I would likely never be able to learn anything again. And so that um, has been a big struggle for, for me, trying to adapt to the new normal, so to speak. And so even, even now I keep lists of how to put my books on the website, how to format the books, how to do the OCR, because I'll, um, like I haven't put anything on the website for about three months now just because I, I can't fight through that fog to work out how to do it. And so I've, I've realised the struggles that I had had trying to make sure that I could fit into normal life and I don't want my kids to have those struggles with their neurodiversity as well. So I think trying to arm them so that they can better face the fights that I've had to learn from is um, a big part there. I think we're all trying to, trying to help our kids not face the same issues that we did. Right. And that's a huge testimony that they could see their father overcoming and, and being able to do whatever it is that you've been called to do. Like they, they're seeing it firsthand. Uh, thank you. Yeah. It's, um, and it's quite, I think keeping my goal on that type of thing, I mean, the days when, or the weeks when we don't, you know, we might just get one or two books or read alouds done and then I, I set the kids some other work and they do their own writing and reading and, and that kind of thing for the little bits that they can do. I'm like, okay, maybe we're not keeping up with the timetable, but I'm, I'm showing them self-care and I'm showing them doing the best that we can do right now during these circumstances and um, I'm showing them getting back up when we've been hit down and I think they're, they're more important sometimes than knowing what happened in certain periods of history or whatever else. That's huge. Self-care is something that's so neglected within parenting uh, ministry because we're, we're parenting and particularly homeschooling. I think I see 
a lot of the mums though as well, they, I think it's seen as this is my career. And so they feel so much pressure to put so much into it. And then sometimes I, I see people getting burnt out and, and I sometimes think that the, so showing self-care and self-compassion um, is probably a more important lesson to teach a lot of the time. Amen. I receive that right now. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say to a spouse who's reluctant to homeschool? Because we do have these situations where one feels called and the other one doesn't. In, in my personal experience, my husband wanted us to homeschool from the beginning. And I, I didn't feel, <laughs> I thought it was just <laughs> him being an overprotective dad, wanting to shield his daughter from the world. And lo and behold, three years later and a lot of frustrations and tears, it was, oh, I was supposed to homeschool. <laughs> and so that, that's, <laughs> you know, there, there's so many stories like that, that the mom wants to homeschool and the dad doesn't or vice versa. So what, what would you say to a spouse who's, who's feeling that way? I think being able to communicate the why is probably one of the most important things. I mean, the, the reason that every family homeschools is slightly different. We all have so many different reasons probably that go into it with different weightings and, and everything else. Uh, some people it's because they don't like what's going on in the world and they're wanting to protect their kids from that. Other ones are wanting to help emphasize or nurture certain gifts um, is their primary reason. There's so many different primary reasons to want to homeschool. So I think making sure that the two of you can communicate that and be on the same page of the purpose of homeschooling is so important. So there's no assumptions um, being put on each other. And once you understand the main reasons one of you is wanting to and the main objections the other one has to it, then you've actually got something concrete to be able to start discussing and, and compromising and working out where you're going to go. Because until it's really defined, it's all ambiguous and you're kind of just fighting smoke and mirrors and um, you can't really make progress to that understanding and communication. Right. That's so important to have that communication and be on, on board instead of just it being one-sided is so important. Very wise. Because uh, I think this, the person who's wanting to homeschool can be spending so much time justifying to the other person why they want to when they're not actually facing any of the actual obstacles that the other person has. And then it just sort of creates extra frustration and, and then it makes it even harder to be able to have a real conversation. Absolutely. Do you have any last words of encouragement? Oh man, just keep on going. Um, it's homeschooling's hard and it's, it's all those cliches of, you know, it's, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon, <laughs> but we've all been given the kids that we've got. Um, we've all been given the hand that we've got in our own abilities and our own gifts and our own capabilities, but just be, be patient with yourself and your kids and keep going. Um, know that you you can do it. Um, even if you have to outsource some bits, we don't have to do every single little thing ourselves. If there's something that we know that we really struggle with and causes us a huge mental stress, let's teach our kids that it's okay to find another resource that they can use. Just keep going and love your kids and appreciate them while you've got them because if we're not enjoying this part when we've got them so much, what's the point? Right, so true. Anthony, I, I have one more 
request. Um, I remember yeah. that you started uh, recently uh, a different part um, in Living Books Press uh, about World Voices. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, I mean, I've only got uh, one book at the moment, but I'm trying to find others and, and put others into a, a new series called World Voices. I have been fortunate to, as a doctor's son, got to travel a lot around the world um, for when dad was at conferences and then having gotten to go to Peru and other things. Um, my grandfather was a missionary. He grew up in Fiji and spoke Fijian in his sleep till the day he died, but also served in New Guinea and Papua New Guinea and the Highlands and all that uh, type of thing. So I was fortunate enough to grow up getting to be exposed to so many different cultures and uh, worldviews. And then coming into some of the communities that I've been in since then, they're very insular and they have a lack of understanding that their normal isn't necessarily normal. And the way that they're taught to see the world isn't the same as the way that others are taught to see the world. And it's not about right and wrong perspectives, it's just that we've all got different perspectives. Our culture has been different or um, the form formative experiences have been different. And so for me, the more that we can be exposed to things that are outside of our little bubble and what makes us not so much comfortable, but just what we used to. I think the more we can find things to understand each other and the world around us, and we can't really make a change in anything that we don't like until we can understand others' perspectives. So reading books from other perspectives is a great way to sort of start to introduce those differences and understandings between us all. And so being able to represent other heritage and have people be able to see where they come from and something that they can give to others to say, hey, read this, and it may not help them to understand everything about the other person or anything, but it can help them to just understand a little bit of something that has helped form that person's experiences. So I, I want to be able to share that as, as I can. So now I'm starting to get an audience with Living Book Press and the books are published just for curricula. I'm, I'm wanting to be able to expand that to help people see different things. Well, I'm personally very excited for, for that. And that's what um, Charlotte Mason would often want, uh, for us to get to know people intimately uh, through biographies and learning about other cultures through literature. And this is, this is exactly what, what you're providing. And so I'm very excited about that. Well, if anybody has any books that I think would, would fit that uh, really well, please do let me know. Um, I, I started Living Book Press just for myself because so many of the books were unavailable here in Australia and so expensive. Um, and then, um, you know, I just sort of got frustrated with the Charlotte Mason series, as I mentioned earlier, and, and made that. And then since then, it's been just people requesting things. Um, hey, we'd really like to see this, or can you try to track this down? So we'll definitely have your website um, and then your contact um, in our show notes. So if anyone has any, um, any suggestions, that they can contact you. Thank you so much. Anthony, before we go, we have, um, we do a little kind of five questions or rapid fire questions. So I'm just going to put questions out to you and whatever comes first to, to your mind, you just, you just say it. Okay. Sounds fun. All right. What is your favorite pastime? Just resting, making stuff in my workshop and, and tinkering. Cool. Let workshop like a wood. Yeah, I've got, um, I've got a 3D printer and laser cutter that I've built and a, a wood workshop. I've got all my different saws and routers and all sorts of fun stuff. So the boys and I have a great time in there tinkering. Oh, wow. That is so cool. All right. 
Rugby or AFL? <laughs> Basketball. Ah. Go Nuggets. <laughs> and for our American listeners, AFL is Australian Football League. So I, I got that. That's you, correct. You yeah. did very well. I mean, I, don't, I actually don't understand AFL at all. Ah. And um, coming from a medical background and, and having a head injury, I, I enjoy watching the occasional, like I watch the grand final in the rugby, but just watching all these people give themselves CTE, I feel kind of guilty watching the, the brain damage happening for my entertainment. I totally hear you. All right. I do watch the Super Bowl still, though. You know, it's, it's still fun watching people get hit. There's something primal about that. Well, once a year doesn't hurt. That's it. All right. Vegemite or Tim Tams? Oh, Tim Tams, no question. You can actually get Vegemite Tim Tams occasionally. I don't recommend it. All right. And what's been your favorite place to have traveled to? Probably when I got to go to Peru, I just love that whole Latina culture and seeing Machu Picchu and Cuzco and, and Lima was just fantastic. I had a, a wonderful few weeks. Uh, my best friend went and she absolutely loved it. And I'm like, that is on my, my list. Oh, it, was, it was amazing. We went and we bought a, um, with a whole pile of other youth from our, our church, we, we bought a bit of land there and built a playground in, in Huaycan. And so spent two weeks just putting in like swings and slippery dips and tables and seesaws and all that kind of thing and just playing with the kids. And even though my Spanish is, was very rudimentary, um, the amount you can communicate and the, the light in, in so many of these children was amazing. Oh, that, that is so beautiful. <laughs> I'm thinking you just went there for vacation. <laughs> Meanwhile, was <laughs> no, we spent we spent a week at the end getting to go to, to Cusco and, and Machu Picchu and see uh, Lake Titicaca and the rest. It was it was great. Wow. All right. Last question. What's the one book you couldn't publish but wished with all your might you could or maybe the book that you wish you could republish but you just can't? Oh, wow. First thing that comes to mind is the Red Wall series, just because they, I read them so many times growing up and I'm loving sharing them with my kids now. And I, I love the illustrations of the little mice, just the nostalgia as well that I get going back reading those books is uh, all warm and fuzzy inside. Oh, oh. All right. Well, thank you so much, Anthony. Where can we find you and support you? Okay. Uh, on um, livingbookpress.com is my website. Um, I've got a mailing list that I send out just what we're doing here on the farm and a few little bits and pieces and then at the end share anything that I've released. Um, Facebook is Living Book Press, like facebook.com slash livingbookpress. And Instagram is um, living underscore book underscore press. Well, thank you. Thank you, Anthony, for taking the time to share with us and to encourage us. And I myself am already so encouraged just by talking with you. So thank you again and God bless you. Thank you so much. Lovely chatting with you too. Hey, friend. Thank you for joining us today. We hope to meet you back here next week. I also hope you enjoyed this episode. So go ahead and don't be shy. Leave us a five-star review. And until next time, friend, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Mm -hmm.